Attention, everyone. Matt and I, on Not behalf too, of the podcast loud, hosting too, committee. Too loud, too loud. But effective. Look, on behalf of Matt and I, Merry Christmas. <sighs> All right. Are you going to just talk about this or get it going? Countdown. 30, 29, 28, Why would you 27, so 26, high. 25. All right, forget that. 3, 2, 1. Hi, this is Kate Flannery, Meredith from The Office, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's what she said, episode 86, Secret Santa. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling. That's what she said. (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy. Roll around town like a hero. I got you on my mind. Just like all the time, pedal down, nowhere to go. And welcome to episode 86 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer. And this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 13th episode of season 6, entitled Secret Santa, which originally aired Thursday, December 10th, 2009. Get a room, Santas. When Phyllis usurps Michael's rightful place as the office's designated gift giver, it's up to our hurt, petulant Jesus to, well, sabotage pretty much everything. Andy decides to treat Aaron to the 12 days of Christmas, but will he own up or lay low when things don't quite go as planned? Pam tries to hook Oscar up with the only other gay guy she knows. Madge from the warehouse gets some character development. Angela thinks scientifically about number two, and Dwight ponders the purpose of his Secret Santa gift. Oh, and Dunder Mifflin's going out of business. Just another typical Christmas party, all told. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. This was a successful podcast introduction. Go back to work. Merry Christmas. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? Ah, ho, 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 everyone. Uh, Joining me at the water cooler this week for a frothy glass of eggnog is our dear assistant to the regional manager, the traveling salesman, the the buddy, the elf, to my Ed Asner, Kevin Crossman. How you doing, Kevin? Matt, it's me, Kevin. (laughs) Now... Speaking of our favorite accountant, Matt, i got to tell you, you've been very kind to me, and in the spirit of Christmas giving and all that, uh, you've been kind to me about not playing up the fact that I have a namesake on the show, and in return, I will not play up any <laughs> oh, coincidental. Touche, Kevin Touche, although I would much rather be Matt, the gay warehouse guy, than Kevin, the accountant, I think. Uh, as all t- <laughs> it's all told and, and played out here on the show, but yeah, now I've got my own little clip that I can maybe weave into some future episode. <laughs> and Matt's a good-looking dude. <laughs> See, even Daryl loves me. There he is. <laughs> is Matt around? I've got his check. <laughs> exactly, and that never will get old. That's certainly the case. <laughs> oh God, <There> well. Is. <laughs> Hey, is Matt around? I've got his check. <laughs> sure it's yeah. not getting old? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it is. But we have to play that next part, though, like I said, about uh, the good-looking dude part, I think, is the best 
thing. My kindness only goes so far. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Here we are. It is December 23rd. Uh, this episode, of course, came out about almost two weeks ago. But, Kevin, um, we purposely waited until the producer's cut aired right on NBC.com so that we could bring our listeners the best, most comprehensive Secret Santa experience. And here we are. We have it an extra nine minutes of footage added to the episode that was aired on the TV stations. Um, I gotta say though, before we get into talking about some things like what have been, what was changed and what was added and all that kind of stuff, I just want to go back to the original aired version. You know, we've been kind of hard on last year's Christmas episode. Of course, Moroccan Christmas. Michael running around trying to drag Meredith into the rehab physically, actually, literally dragging her into the re- rehab building. Um, not didn't really work for me all that much. Uh, my golden standard, of course, for Christmas episodes is season two's Christmas party. And this episode, as I was watching Secret Santa, um, it it totally felt to me like, wow, Mindy Kaling is trying so hard to actually recapture what I would consider to be a season two episode. This followed almost the exact same kind of formula that we did see in the original Christmas party, where everyone is kind of, you know, aside from the Secret Santa stuff, everyone's at the party. Michael is a massive tool. Uh, at the end, though, Michael redeems himself and makes everybody happy. And so a very similar kind of feel. Uh, Dwight in the same costume. It just felt really like one of those classic season two episodes that I've grown to love over the years. And so I was very pleased with the way this played out. I think even with all that stuff cut, that it it worked. It was very successful. Uh, Michael's zingers... <laughs> And his attitude, and I, I laugh every single time, even still, when he <laughs> dunks his Santa hat in the punch bowl. <laughs> I don't know. That just kills me every time. It's classic, and then him walking around as Jesus, and all the things that he does and says to everyone else, and the little heckling of the Christmas presents and everything. It's pure comedy gold, my friend. I have to say, I really enjoyed this episode, especially the parts you're talking about. The, that middle section was really great. Um, I even think that the... It's always nice to see the producer's cut um, because you get to see more of what's happening, explains a few things. But I, I agree with you that the original cut was very, very tight, just so well put together, and I really enjoyed it. I, I will say that overall, I'd like that they, that they mostly stuck to this main plot which was great. A few little side plots with the 12 Days of Christmas and Aaron and Andy and a little bit there with Dwight, I guess, and Oscar, of course. But I think that there wasn't quite the payoff at the end of this episode that kind of elevated it to classic status, like uh, the original Christmas Party episode. Nice that we're on a better track than Moroccan Christmas, but not <laughs> quite the A-list season two standard that I would uh, hope that it could be. Well, I got to disagree with you on that a little bit, because if you go back to that, I think that we had sort of a similar kind of payoff here as we did in the original episode, because, uh, you know, you and I have been talking recently about who's the new couple that we care about, you know, who are the new people that we're interested in, and of course now this season is Andy and Aaron, and Andy and Aaron were in the Jim and Pam role that they occupied in season two with the two of them. Jim, back then, oh, I got Pam, and I've got to give her this perfect gift. And so here again we have Andy 
in the same, you know, oh, I switched with everyone, I got got Aaron, and I want to give her this great gift. It was very similar construction. And I think at the end, though, we're going to have to disagree a little bit on that because I think that the 12 drummers drumming thing at the end, I think, was a sufficient payoff, uh, at least enough to keep you going. I mean, if you think about the original Christmas party episode, I mean, what was really the payoff? It was just that they made a little connection. She got her present back and that kind of thing. And this is very similar. Aaron forgave him for being an idiot, it seemed like, and was very happy, big smile on her face, and uh, just won over by his exuberance with the symbols, I have to say. So I don't know. I I thought it it really did work. Now, speaking of things that didn't work and didn't go anywhere, Kevin, I got to say that I could have totally lived without this Oscar plot line (laughs) being in the episode at all, because it did literally have no payoff whatsoever and maybe it's building you know it's it's planting seeds for future development but i kind of almost saw it more as kind of a satire a little bit i know that a lot of people on the blog page said oh this is an example of pam being her old sweet self and being nice and fixing oscar but i mean really was she all that nice her her motivation was kind of like oh well uh, here's two gay guys. I'm gonna stick the two gay guys together. It's not like Oscar wasn't checking the guy out. Yeah, and was completely true. distracted and all that. I mean, so I think she's trying to do a nice thing for her friend Oscar. Sure. Who, In a really we clumsy know way. <laughs> sure, and she, you know, the, you know, the Finer Things Club. They're very close and all that. That they're the people that have a sensibility about things. <laughs> um, people brands or whatever it was from earlier this season. So, you know, she wants him to be happy and all that. We know that he has broken up with his longtime partner and is alone at Christmas. But I agree with you. There needs to be a little bit more of a payoff. Uh, with regards to the Aaron and Andy, you know, how about a little kiss? Just on the <laughs> cheek, really? I mean, like, the payoff for that plot line is now she doesn't hate him anymore. I mean, well. <laughs> I don't know. That's not, really the, that's not exactly the same thing. And, and if we're going to compare to season two, your beloved season two, where are the topless women? I have to say. What, you Come want on. to see Meredith? I mean, it was Meredith topless. I mean, I don't want to ever see that again. I have nothing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not picky. <laughs> we saw Kelly topless, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. So it's, All right, fair it's enough. It's got to be as good as we get. Let's go back a little bit to the Oscar plotline again. And I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. I wish there would have been more setup to it. Um, okay, he's checking this guy out. How did he know that this guy's gay? Shouldn't there have been some conversation, maybe Oscar talking head, like, yeah, I met this guy and we talked or, or something, or maybe it's just a crush. Okay, maybe he just has a crush on a straight guy that works there. Um, I mean, did he borrow Jim's gaydar that he sent to Michael and Dwight way from back in season uh, season three? I mean, what? Uh, it was I don't a little think awkward. he needs to borrow it. I don't think he needs to borrow it. I think he just sort of has it. You know what I mean? Well, uh, okay, fine. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, the whole plot went to me. It just—it was a little weird because I know Kevin. You live on the you know the West Coast, and you guys you're very enlightened out there in California. Um, I don't know. I just I, I I don't know how believable it is in a small fading industrial town in a blue collar job that you like come out. To your workmates in a place like that, I don't. Know, very, very enlightened warehouse, I guess, is what I'll say. It, considering he was working in the warehouse, I would agree with that. That's <laughs> not exactly your area of openness. Always. But yeah, it, it Dunder Mifflin, though. <laughs> but I have to say that the scene where where Oscar comes down and talks to Daryl, and Daryl sort of gives him the whatnot. 
for and everything was was really good. Daryl, this is again perfect use of Daryl in this context. Just kind of shut people down. Let's not get ridiculous. Just go back on your business. He knows exactly <laughs> what's happening. So great use of Daryl there. Yep, uh, I have to say. And that's kind of funny because in the aired episode, that was really his only line. Yeah. Oh, he's a good-looking dude, and then he kind of gives you that mm-hmm. little winky at the camera. Where in the producer's cut, most of that, whole, most of what was cut out is this big scene where Michael, as Jesus, goes to the warehouse and he wants to stick it to Jim and Phyllis's party, and so he invites all the warehouse people up to the office party. And Daryl has much more of a role in that. You know, he kind of talks to him, you know, you look like Gandalf. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and we get all this stuff with the different guys in there, like the one warehouse guy, he's like the physical trainer, (laughs) trying to sell Stanley and uh, Kevin on his physical training plan. Should we talk, do we want to talk about Madge? (laughs) Madge, the warehouse worker who gets her shining moment of character development, Kevin, after six seasons Garfield. <laughs> she can put away a lasagna. She has to eat the whole thing. Very ridiculous. It wasn't that wasn't terrible, but you know I have to say that that whole plot line, I didn't miss it at all. The only thing it really helped to do was to explain why Dwight had to go out and get pizzas. But you know, I think that's one of those details. You don't even think about that when you're watching the show the first time. Oh, he's got to go get some more pizzas because the party's still going on and on and right. on because Michael's going crazy. You don't even think about the you know ramifications of like, oh, maybe the warehouse people didn't bring food. I think that that was a perfect example of where they could cut. And yeah, the plot didn't quite come together, but as an audience, we don't even notice. And all the little cuts that they made and throughout most of these scenes and Andy talking and saying he wants to kiss Santa and all that stuff, cut <laughs> that stuff out. The rest of the episode's super tight. But as a deleted scene or as an extended view... Kind of funny, I have to agree. Yeah, it, it did serve one point, though. It set up uh, this kind of undercurrent in the episode of the main office people sort of hating on the warehouse people. And maybe it was exacerbated by the fact that they were stealing all their food or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have that whole big scene in there where Angela complains about how someone's, you know, the warehouse people stunk up the bathroom. Um, <laughs> where. Ryan, like, what do I think about these people being up here? Oh, this is what I think. You know, he takes a picture of himself. And, and and then Meredith kind of going off on, again, on Madge, like calling her a brute and all this kind of stuff. And it, it actually, that stuff in there, it wasn't necessary to understand what happened, but it actually does explain a lot of the stuff that we see at the end that did remain. And the show, and one thing specifically I want to talk about is a handful of people uh, on the blog page were talking about what's going on at the end with Angela and Daryl. They're kind of like smiling at each other, and oh, is this some kind of budding romance or something building there? I have to say, if you see the producer's cut, no, not at all. That really it really explains why they kind of had that look and were nice to each other at the end because she was so negative towards them through the whole beginning of the episode and all this stuff about, you know, they eat less quality food than us, and so that's why they have terrible smelling poos and all these kind of things. And so <laughs> she was very, you know, what am I going to talk about with Artie? <laughs> uh, and, and so after the end of it, when they all come together, after they realize that they're not going to get fired, then that explains why they're so collegial, why at the end they're kind of, you know, there's been a little arc of development there. Uh, and the same thing with Meredith and Madge. There's that scene where they help each other put the tree back up. 
after uh-huh. Dwight kicks it over, and so that again is kind of like a little bridge being repaired from earlier in the scene where, where Meredith, uh, you know, kind of ragged on her. So it, it actually it, it does fill in the gaps. It makes a lot more sense, but totally not at all necessary. A little story arc. Very, very little. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't say it wasn't, but still, it was a story arc. Um, speaking of little story arcs, though, I actually really did like the Dwight plot line. And I'm not even going to yes. really call it a plot line because, it, I mean, it, it is sort of separate, but it, it, it's also, it was an, it had a really nice payoff. You know, it was this really Absolutely. kind of mysterious thing, like, oh, what's going on? He's getting all these parts to the machine, some kind of weird machine, and and uh, and then it turns out, of course, that it's Michael at the end. Michael, who actually gives Dwight this really super thoughtful gift, totally kind of unexpected, came out of left field. The very, you know, left the the episode with a very good feel good <laughs> sort of thing. So, kudos there. Nice Michael always wins. Yeah, really good use of Dwight in this episode. I was glad we we got a little bit of taste of the diabolical plot being left behind for the holidays. Uh, good. <laughs> You know, intro there, I really like the Jim and Dwight dynamic with the cold open. And then I agree, he was used very well throughout the episode in that plot line in particular. Um, <laughs> it was actually sort of touching, believe it or not. Yep, very good. Uh, especially, they did throw in a little extra bit to that plot line in the director's to the producer's cut, right, where Michael walks away from Bob and, and Phyllis and Dwight uh, says, Oh, some fresh nut meat? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> So it was kind of, I don't know, it was a funny little bit of business. But, yeah, so that was that was nice. Um, speaking of Dwight, though, let's just go down this a little bit here. Um, there's a shot in there where Dwight's trying to make a list of what this could possibly be. And uh, there's uh-huh. a little zoom in onto his pad as he crosses off the word gun. Uh, and so uh, being the, the nerd that I am, I went and, and freeze-framed the whole thing to, uh, to check out what he had on the list. Well, he had actually quite a large assortment of trap ideas, including an aardvark trap, beaver trap, chipmunk trap, possum trap, skunk trap, lobster trap, or a man trap. And then we get down <laughs> to a few other more odd things, uh, a lathe, uh, an abdominizer, and then he uh, also wondered if it was a speculum, which, uh, looking up on Wikipedia, I find out is a medical tool used for examining body cavities, Kevin Joe. <laughs> I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, oh, man. Good quality Christmas episode, then. As far as, again, where this ranks, I have to say I haven't seen Benihana Christmas in a while, so I might be clouding my judgment. But I think this is my second favorite. Yeah, that's a good choice. All right, well, uh, maybe we should go back and revisit that. People might think we're crazy. But still, very good episode. Uh, good holiday spirit. A lot of the same stuff that we're expecting. Uh, and, and some good news, I guess, at the end there from David Wallace. And speaking of the good news, I guess, from David Wallace, Kevin, let's just briefly talk a little bit about that. You know, we've been riding this plot line for a long time about the companies going under and they're going to have problems and, and this mm-hmm. and that. And it finally comes to a head. David Wallace, you know, the company's been sold. All the top management is losing their jobs. The distribution is the only thing that's valuable. And so all you get, you know, all you guys in the branch office have your jobs i mean what do you what do you think this is gonna i mean what's this gonna lead into are they gonna actually change the name are, is dunder mifflin gonna go bye-bye are we gonna have a new company name um a new set of characters 
to uh, to be the new management people here. Maybe the British can buy the Dunder Mifflin and they could bring in their own guy and they could be played by Ricky Gervais. Oh no, 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 no. That's that's a madman. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but I, th- I think that the good news is that probably we never ever have to hear David Wallace say. Michael, I shouldn't be telling you this. <laughs> or and then telling him, right? Michael, you weren't supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know that as much as I like the character David Wallace, that has gotten super old. And you know maybe there'll be somebody new, but at least we won't have that excuse. He should know better, at least for a while, right? Right. So we'll get a, maybe some new dynamic. Uh, I still am holding out hope that you know this could be a path to CEO for our friend Michael Scott. Um, and the, the the one thing I will notice, uh, say in Michael's defense on this episode, you know we've seen all kinds of instances where Michael goes half off, half cocked, uh, takes one thread and sort of invents his own thing. But if you listen carefully, what David Wallace said, he said we're all gone, and he's talking to Michael. That's we. So the fact that Michael was thinking that it was lights out for everybody, I think, is not an unreasonable interpretation. No, uh, I I agree, but again, I think that's a case of Michael, like he did in earlier seasons, lumping himself with corporate, you know, putting himself on that same level, uh, like with uh, the Super Bowl mean, episode where you know they're they're at corporate office and Dwight Dwight and Michael are getting yelled at, and then Michael kind of goes to the other side of the table, <laughs> that right, kind of right. stuff. So it's kind of similar. He's like he's like, well, we're all gone. Uh, and he's kind of lumping himself up with, I guess, the other guys. But yeah, you're right. He well, he did have. I reason. think he. I think Michael understood that everyone was gone, not just management. That the whole company was going out of business. And well, so you know, it's not him lumping himself with David Wallace. It's that everybody is lumped with David Wallace. <laughs> well, you're right. Fair enough. And I think that it it wasn't very clear at all. But and, and again, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I still have to shake my head every time I hear David Wallace reveal some huge secret and then be surprised that Michael spills the beans. All right, let's get into the credits here. Uh, of course, written by Mindy Kaling, who's written 18 total episodes, most recently Niagara, Golden Ticket, and Lecture Circuit Parts 1 and 2, directed by longtime cinematographer here, Randall Einhorn, who has also directed 10 episodes, including... The Meeting, Cafe Disco, Golden Ticket, and Blood Drive. So, again, very tight, very Season 2 feel to it. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to where this is going to lead. Now, unfortunately, though, Kevin, um, we have a massive wait (laughs) for the next new episode. What, two months? Yeah, beginning of February before we start getting new episodes, so... We, we've done a good job uh, bridging that gap in time with our recording schedule here, <laughs> but uh, in terms of the viewing, uh, yeah, it's going to be nearly two months. Well, see, now we're never going to get that special Martin Luther King Day-themed episode of The Office that I was looking forward to. <sighs> <sighs> Scroo- Scrooge, you're ruining my Christmas. I know. It's uh, it's terrible. <laughs> well, I do have to say, I mean, that speaking of episodes, I'm really baffled that they're actually going to Supposedly in January they are having some weird ass clip show, which kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what that's going to be about, but um, I don't know. A clip show is never a good thing. Well, I will predict right here that the clip show is going to be awesome, and <laughs> I pre- I predict this uh, because I last night I watched a clip show for Seinfeld, and I think that The Office is like Seinfeld in the sense that 
you could go back and tie different little catchphrases together or uh, things like that that when you see it over five, six, seven seasons worth of clips actually will be very entertaining. So mm. I'm looking forward to the That's What She Said montage. Well, and, that's an interesting uh, plot point. That's an interesting thought there, Kevin, because I, I hadn't really thought about that. Those were really, they were funny, but they were also really, really awkwardly artificial. I mean, are we going to have, like, Michael come walking into the office and go, oh, hey there, I, I didn't know you were there. Well, <laughs> it's been a long, strange six seasons. You know, let's, let's take a look at some of those episodes. And then all of a sudden they start playing the Superman theme song. <laughs> I don't know. I, they could, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, definitely a, a strange choice, I think, for the show. Well, I try to break this down. And like I said, there was a lot of little mini plot lines. Of course, the Michael plot line was the dominant A plot line. And then there was a the Andy and Aaron thing was kind of a B plot. And then there's a couple other like D, C, E, whatever, really low-level plots in there. So I, I don't know. We'll start off, though, with the Michael plot line and just kind of break this down. Now, this is a, a new clip that was added into the producer's cut showing uh, Jim actually, you know, taking charge, being the manager, and uh, as he says, actually caring for once. Lately, there have been serious rumors that our company's going bankrupt. So David Wallace asked me to keep morale high. So I asked around about what people wanted with Christmas, and I told them to get creative. And they didn't really get creative exactly. Uh, Secret Santa, karaoke, food. Kind of the usual thing that we do here, which is great. And people usually argue about food, so I told everybody to bring their favorites. I made an organized sign-up sheet for karaoke so that there was no fighting and no crying. I'm doing a good job, I think, because this year I care. It's weird. I know. Oh, our little boy's grown up, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that was the one scene that I think really did add a little bit of value to the producer's cut, uh, especially for those of us who want Jim to be looking successful <laughs> and competent. This is actually him being competent, as you said. Uh, he, he doesn't come out being a fool or looking stupid at the end of the episode. He actually did a pretty good job and, and really tried to keep things going and, and kind of shut Michael down, well... Sort of <laughs> as best he could as things were going on. So yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, a good little setup there, and we see some shots in the background while he's talking there with people bringing in stuff and Creed like bringing in this giant can of just <laughs> baked beans <laughs> and yes. dumping them in a tray. <laughs> um, their favorites, right? <laughs> All those homeless times. He loves the baked beans uh, out of the can. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah, all this stuff, you know, like you said, no crying and everything else, uh, putting the sign up there. So um, Jim has got it down, and he's got it going. And his big – well, here's – I guess maybe we can argue about his competency. But um, in order to please the people in the office and to get morale boosted, he goes for a little controversial thing here, allowing someone in the office to play Santa who normally wouldn't. I have been wanting to be Santa for years. I believe I have the right temperament and the figure to do the job well. I slipped a note to Jim 11 weeks ago, and he said I could do it. <laughs> oh, it's been a long journey. <laughs> but I'm Santa Claus. Here's 
Santa! Hey, little girl, what would you like for Christmas? Ooh, you have been a very naughty girl, I see. <laughs> Michael, we already have a Santa, Phyllis. What the hell is going on? Phyllis, Jim, Phyllis and Santa. Yeah. Phyllis. Yeah, I told her a long time ago she could do it. Take it back. That is absurd. No, I'm not no, do that. No, Jim, come on. I think she'll do a good job. It's insane. A woman Santa, where does it stop? No. I'm not going to go tell Phyllis that she can't be Santa. If this were Russia, yeah, sure. Everybody would go to one Santa, and there would be a line around the block. And once you sat on her lap and she asked you what you wanted, you would say probably freedom, at which point the KGB would arrest you and send you to Siberia. It's a good thing Russia doesn't exist anymore. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in there. This Phyllis has this bizarre, like, I don't know, needs to see a psychotherapist longing to be Santa Claus. Maybe she has some kind of childhood issue there or uh, is feeling empty without having a child or something and wants to give gifts or bring happiness to the world. But she's finally achieved her dream of being Santa. And I like that. I dropped Jim a note 11 weeks ago. You know, Matt, it's been a long journey for me, too. I finally (laughs) liked Phyllis in an episode. (laughs) You got a little tear in your eye when she said that. I I heard you there. A little hitch in your voice. Oh, man. You know, so that was kind of interesting. I guess the only thing you could talk about it as far as stretching credulity a little bit is the fact that Michael didn't know that she was going to be Santa. You think that would be something that would come up in conversation, you know? Or that that Jim would have told Michael, hey, by the way. Yeah, that's what I mean. Don't don't dress up as Santa this year like you always do. 11 weeks in advance. (laughs) You know, I I didn't think it would be necessary, you know. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe he just felt like he would deal with it at the time as it happened, but as we saw, that was not not the right yep. choice to make. And no. I, I like Michael's reaction there. Um, he's he's the same way. He's the father, you know, of the family. He likes to get off on that uh, being the gift giver, as he said, being the guy that's making people happy. So he's very disappointed, and that's kind of his thing. You know, Michael is kind of a jerk here, and you feel like he's an ass at the beginning. But on the, on the one hand, you can sort of also maybe sympathize with him just a little bit here that no one told him. Jim didn't bother to tell him, and maybe he could have dealt with it if he would have known 11 weeks ago. Right. But. It's his role in the office to do this, and yeah, damn it, why didn't you tell me? Exactly. Of course, Michael, does he take the mature adult <laughs> way? No. No, no, not at all. And that's the thing. I love that line in there about, you know, all of a sudden he makes it into some big, like, patriotic, uh, <laughs> you know, this is America. We have competition between Santas and uh, right. and this and that. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I love, you know, very big spread there with uh, Ryan taking the professional photography shots, people sitting on Santa's lap and everything. Michael pulls out his little office chair and tries to set up his competing Santa stand, and he only, well, he only really gets one customer. Hello, little boy, what's your name? Michael, it's me, Kevin. Phyllis says I'm too big for her lap. Oh, I am so sorry that Phyllis hates you and hates your body. But Santa remembers a reindeer that was just a tiny bit different as well. When can I sit on your lap? Right now, come on over here, big boy. (laughs) There we go. Oh, my God. That's really comfortable. What would you like for Christmas, little boy? I don't know. I I didn't know you were going to ask me that. What did you think was going to happen? I didn't know. Nobody's ever let me sit on their lap before. All right, sit into it, please. 
can you give me some choices? Because I really don't want to mess up on this list. Damn it, Kevin, come on. Yeah, get off, get off. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even get to tell you what I wanted. Okay, you know what you get? You get a thousand helium balloons attached to you, so Santa doesn't have to go through this again. Oh, awesome. Oh, put the sleep. <laughs> So we're obviously sitting there laughing our asses off listening to that clip. So very, very funny stuff. Michael trying to be the nice guy. You know, he, he's taking what he can get as far as customers on his lap. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite work out. And that's, you know, the funny thing, I guess you think about that, Kevin has uh, all his life been this big fat guy that never has gotten to sit on anyone's lap. I didn't know that's how it, I didn't know that's how it worked. Yeah, he's never seen a movie or a TV show or seen anybody else in the office like five minutes ago sitting on Phyllis's lap. No, yeah. Well, he well, saw him, Kevin. But he didn't know that's what they Kevin. said. Didn't know what oh. you're supposed to do next. It's a big secret. <laughs> well, yes, but very funny stuff there. Uh, you know, Michael, he's uh, he's trying to be a trooper, but boy, it's tough. Yeah, and I want to say also right there, Kevin, um, a, a point where actually the producer's cut I think was much worse than the original cut. There's about 30, 40 seconds of business where Michael is, like, limping around the office and banging mm-hmm. his leg onto the floor. That was just really, if I, if I can use the word, it was pretty gratuitous. It really it really belabored the point um, and, and wasn't necessary. The original cut, just what he said right there, you know, and the way it was in the, in the original episode was more than enough. But still, very funny stuff. Now, Michael keeps... <laughs> keeps it up and there's a really funny scene in there where he tries to physically force Ryan uh, to sit on his lap and he's like come on come on I need this I need you to sit on my lap Um, there's also some stuff in there that I didn't have in the clips where he's like you know don't sit on old tranny Claus's lap come on over to me I am a real man if you sit on my lap you will feel it (laughs) he's like no no it's not a penis thing yeah (laughs) Some really pretty funny business, and everyone's getting kind of sick of it. Uh, Jim steps forth. You know, he's the one that made the call on Phyllis. He tries to calm Michael down and uh, and try to get him to act responsibly and let Phyllis do the job. But of course, it's never quite that simple. You know what, Jim? With the two Santas in the room, things get ruthless. Yeah. Do you understand? You force my hand. Michael, it's Phyllis. We want Phyllis as Santa. Oh, do we? Do we? Is that what we want? Yeah. Why don't we take a vote on it? Great. Hey, okay, everybody. The office is being pulled apart. I realize that. There are traditions at stake. And there are... Who wants Phyllis No, Santa? no, no, wait, no. There are other choices. There's information that we... Ne- are you kidding me, Kevin? After you almost killed me. Michael, I had you. I just want to try Phyllis. And if you want Michael with Santa, raise your hand. Can I get you some punch? I no, I'll get some punch. That was delicious. I don't ask for much for Christmas. I really don't. It's not like I am begging people to buy me diamonds and brooch pendants. I don't care about that. All I want to be is Santa. And... You want to take that away from me? Fine. Go ahead. But when you need my help, because I am ruining everything, don't look at me. <laughs> That's a classic. It's got to go down in the classic tome of Michael lines right there. <laughs> that, that is a very, very funny line. And it's, uh, it, you know, obviously the way they constructed this episode plays out perfectly as well. So, yeah, lots of really funny stuff there. 
with Jim um, and coming in and the the vote and everything else. And of course, Dwight is the only guy who votes for Michael, just <laughs> as always. Yeah, so. and he actually keep. It's kind of funny too, and when, when they're doing the vote. Uh, he actually is counting. You see him counting. <laughs> yeah. Like when he says, how many people want Phyllis? And he like, he's keeping track. So he's very Make serious. Sure. <laughs> Make sure the count is accurate. Exactly. <laughs> it uh, comes down to a tie or something. And again, like I said, there's that, that thing in there where he just puts his, dunks his Santa hat in the punch bowl. It just kills me every time. Great stuff. Now, Michael is on the offensive in more ways than one. Uh, he <laughs> he uh, decides, you know, he turns his... Santa suit inside out. He takes the Santa beard, pulls it down below his chin, and uh, well, if you can't join Santa, you gotta beat him. And as as the religious among us like to say, you gotta keep the Christ in Christmas. Behold, Jesus Christ, and I bring to you glad Christmas tidings. I want to remind everyone the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. Those of you who wish to join me. That's great. I am excited by that. And those of you who don't, I forgive you. But I never forget. Wow, Michael, like this must be obvious. How wrong this is. Oh, <laughs> the Antichrist. I am going to spread my goodness all over this company. Hello, worker. Salt of the earth. Listen to what I am saying unto you. I am Jesus. Okay, I need everybody to stop what you're doing and watch this. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, my son. Everyone, I have heard your cries for rest. And I am inviting you up to our Christmas party where you can eat and drink and have fun. Hell yeah. Let's go, y'all. Thanks, Mike. So there you go, Jesus is doing his best to, I don't know if he's trying to ruin the party by doing that, or if he just was trying to be, uh, he's just trying to recruit his own band of followers, like he wanted his <laughs> own group of disciples to kind of balance out the people that voted for Phyllis, I'm not really sure what that was, but still, the, the nice infidels, you mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive, but I never forget, as Michael said. <laughs> oh, classic stuff. I love the line with Toby. So funny. The Antichrist. <laughs> Perfect use there. Now, there's some other stuff in there, too, that I cut out where he's talking to Toby. Where he's like, whoa, you can't, you know, he's like, you can't push religion, Michael. It's, whoa, it's either push religion or push drugs. Take your pick. It's one or the other. It's <laughs> 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 kind of nonsensical. Um, but, you know, he goes down to the warehouse, and I love that Daryl line there. He's kind of like, okay, everybody needs to stop and watch this. <laughs> <laughs> you know something crazy's coming. Yeah, he might have had a sense. Like, what's Michael doing here? Maybe we'll get some free lunch. Yeah, you know what the other thing though I want to talk about? Kind of as I was watching this, I was kind of thinking that hasn't uh, haven't the warehouse guys always been at all the Christmas parties? It seems like I and again I haven't seen the one from last year uh, recently, but I, I know for sure Betty Hanna Christmas. The warehouse guys were were up there. And see, that's why with that plotline cut out. It, you, the fact that they're there later in the party, you don't even bat an eye. Right, exactly. Uh, so it makes perfect sense, I guess, either way, although I'm not really sure where the animosity comes from uh, <laughs> since they have done that in the past. But still, they are they are smelly and they are poor. And, uh, you know, <laughs> blue collar, white collar. What are you going to do? There's always that disparity. Now, here's the thing that happens. 
Jim is very frustrated with this. He, he admits to Michael it was a very nice thing that he did, but uh, they don't have enough food, they don't have enough drinks, they don't have enough stuff for the warehouse people. So, you know, hey, it would have been nice to... <laughs> he has that funny line in there, like, yeah, it would have been nice to give me a heads up. And Michael comes back with, well, it would have been nice for me to be the sole gift giver in the office, but, uh, you know, we don't get what we want. So there you go. He, he, he kind of ruins the party. And, uh, and here Jim tries to do a little bit of damage control with uh, the hungry warehouse workers. And here is Madge's one time, Kevin, one time to shine in the last six years. So, guys, this is just more like finger food. Uh-oh, a lasagna. Look out, Garfield. <laughs> Uh-oh. What does that mean? Oh, they call me Garfield. I've never seen a lasagna not eaten the whole pan. Oh, I wish you wouldn't. Oh, well, I can't help myself. Uh, can you imagine what it's like for me that it has that power over me? I gotta have some. All right. I just got out of the restroom and it stinks. The warehouse needs to go. Okay, wait. How do you know it's someone from the warehouse who stunk up the bathroom? They stink up the bathroom with their smelly poos because they don't eat as quality food as us because they're poor. It's science. That is so offensive. And thought out. Maybe if we just took some time to try to get to know them rather than make them play. Garfield! 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 That woman is a beast! Garfield! 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 I am so very glad that you joined us here on this festive occasion. You look like Gandalf. No, I'm Jesus, and we're celebrating my birthday. Seriously though, Mike, you should take that off, man. It's offensive, even to me. All right, so this kind of a we we talked about this before about Daryl's kind of influence on Michael, uh, and I'm not really sure what that turn means. Maybe he just kind of gets fed up with the whole thing, or maybe he realizes that it's stupid. Uh, but Daryl says that, and then he stomps off and uh, and takes off the costume, uh, and then goes to get uh, David Wallace on the phone. Um, I mean, I don't know what it did, did. What do you think is what was his motivation for that right there? Well, I think he just lost another flock of followers. <laughs> they didn't want to participate in whatever Michael was doing. They wanted to do their own thing. They had Madge go into town, and even his friend Daryl couldn't put up with his new persona. So <laughs> he had to go back and get a new bag, so to speak. Yeah, I guess he wanted his old Santa suit back, uh, and uh, won't let anybody stand in his way. You know, a bunch of stuff in there. I don't know, again, maybe I'm stretching on this, but they sort of paired Meredith and Madge throughout this episode. Do you think that whole, like, I'm addicted to lasagna thing, was it supposed to be kind of like a parallel to Meredith's alcoholism? Wow, man, that is a stretch. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know, man. They, they're they're paired up on purpose. They're, they're the, She's talking a little weird about lasagna, though, to me, don't you think? the power it has over me in any case all right let's keep moving on here to our next clip now michael kind of like i said he wanders off and he gets really just upset and he's in this kind of funk and as the secret santa gets underway uh michael really delivers uh you know a bunch of zingers here to all the assembled gift getters merry christmas creed thanks santa i love it and he doesn't even know what it is. It's probably terrible. So save the receipt. Get the receipt, Creed. Dick <laughs> calls with crappy. Hey, Dilly! Kid. Ho, ho, ho. You 
been very good this year. I have. Yeah, except for cheating on your wife. Adultery's <laughs> a sin. Look it up in the Bible, people. What do you get? Got scented candles. Oh, well, that's appropriate. A lot of fire where you're going. Better get used to it. You're going to H-E-L-L double hockey sticks. Going to hell, Stanley. <laughs> Amen. And this brings us to you, little one. I can't see from here, people. Somebody shout it out. Don't make me get up. It's fabric. I really wanted this. That's fantastic. You can make another dress that goes past your feet. <laughs> so, again, a lot of good quality zingers there. Uh, everybody gets it, you know, again, boom roasted. i, I got to tell you, this is one of the most hilarious scenes in the office this whole season. Just, I just loved every part of that. We got a little malpropism from Michael for his H-E- LL double hockey, hockey sticks and <laughs> and you know the again the little zinger the, the the continuing plot line and soap opera that is Stanley Hudson's love life uh, so great stuff there for Michael and and this this was my favorite Michael persona of the of the whole episode I you know Santa was okay and Jesus was very enlightening uh, you know sweatpants Michael was kind of a guy who saved the day but I really loved the zinger. You know, the sort of antichrist, so to speak. Hurt, petulant Jesus with his <laughs> karaoke microphone zinging yeah. everybody. All right, classic. Funny stuff. Now, unfortunately, Michael can take it no longer. Um, he's forced to stop by Jim. He goes into his office, calls David Wallace to complain, uh, I want to be Santa. And here we have Wallace then spilling the beans for about the 15th time telling Michael that we're going out of business and, well, it's been sold and that, you know, we're all, as you said, we're all being fired. Uh, the top executives are being fired. So Michael, very, very incredulous, very shocked and very, very disturbed. And while, you know, I was like, oh, well, Merry Christmas, blah, blah, blah. You know, he hangs up on him. I'm sorry you can't be Santa. <laughs> and he hangs up. <laughs> uh, and, and Michael is left there with that bit of information. And, uh here he, he does, you know he, he has to sort of man up at this point um put aside his childish things as it were and become a man earlier today this office needed a santa and then it needed a second santa and then it needed a jesus and now it needs a michael and that's one suit phyllis cannot fit into you know what christmas isn't about santa or Jesus, it's about the workplace. The exact opposite of what you just said is true. See, that's exactly something that Jim would say, and I love him for it. All of you feel like my family. Ryan, you are my son. And Pam, you're my wife. And Jim, <laughs> and Angela, and Phyllis, you are my grandmas. And Oscar, <laughs> you just moved in next door because of urban renewal. And Stanley, you're our mailman. And I can't help but look at all of your wonderful, beautiful faces and think, how could they do this to us? What? How could we do what? Not, not, never, nothing. I didn't say anything. We're going out of business. What? You are kidding me. Wait, wait, wait. Who said that? David told me on the phone. David told me. When? When did he tell you? Today? Earlier today, he said, we have been sold. Michael, wait. 
So they said we are sold. David is gone. Alan is gone. We're all gone. Okay, but we haven't gone under. We've been sold, and that can mean many different things. It's hard for me to imagine a scenario where Meredith Palmer keeps her job and David Wallace does not. No offense, Meredith. No, I get it. You two are the worst bosses. You are. You never know anything. It's like the blind leading the blind. Right, yes, relax. yes, yes. Okay, relax. I could still fire you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that. It's kind of funny there. We never have seen that before where Angela goes nuts on you. Know, you're the, you are the worst bosses. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a great, great little line that was in the producer's cut there. And just all that whole thing about we're family and Oscar moved in because of urban renewal. <laughs> yeah. And all that stuff. So Michael spills the beans. Everyone obviously very upset. Um, you know, what... What does the future hold here for our favorite family, Kevin? No, it was a good dynamic. We got a little classic conference room scene there in this episode as well. So, you know, for people who want to get their, you know, official tally of, you know, the all the elements that have to appear in a classic episode, then you can check that one off. <laughs> so, good, good times. Yeah, and that's the thing. We haven't really had a lot of those. For a while, they were really going kind of crazy with the conference room scenes, and we haven't really gotten too many of those. Lately, I think that works really well. Of course, just everything about that scene I thought was pretty, pretty interesting, including, like I said, the last bit there was, you know, I can still fire you. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. be quiet. All right. Well, Michael, uh, you know, no one b- really believes him that they're all losing their jobs. Jim, of course, taking much more of a level-headed approach to the whole thing uh, and wants verification. Uh, Michael says, okay, fine, well, we'll call David Wallace. Jim says, no, he's not answering his phone. Michael unveils his big <laughs> his big plan for how he always knows how to get in touch with David Wallace to fake <laughs> being his daughter or being the daughter's pediatrician. I wasn't quite sure exactly how that played out. But uh, yep. <laughs> but still, uh, he tricks David Wallace into picking up his phone. Hey, sweetie, what is it? It's not sweetie, it's Michael Scott. What the hell? What? Stephanie, could you hop off, please? Wait, Michael, uh, I have never, David, never, ever... David, you are on speakerphone with the entire branch and the warehouse. Hey, David. Hey, David. Hey, everyone. Dave, David, they do not believe me when you told me that everyone was canned. Guys, I was really only talking about Alan, myself, and a few other execs you don't know. How about us? Look, they're buying the company for the distribution. You guys are the only thing about this company that works. So congratulations. We're not fired. No, not congratulations. All right. It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. That's kind of to think about. That was David Wallace being like sarcastic when he was saying congratulations, or was he like honestly, you know, feeling happy for them in that scene? I. I think he was being sarcastic. Congratulations, <laughs> you get to keep your job and I'm out on the street. But then again, Michael had a plan and David Wallace did not. So I guess I don't feel too sorry for him. <laughs> well, that is true. You know, the one thing about that, though, that would have been right there a perfect time for David Wallace to actually be kind of a jackass. You know, we've always talked <laughs> about him being this great, nice guy. Um, he could have finally called out Michael or something and said something. <laughs> Like really, kind of maybe maybe biting or something to Michael, but I suppose that would have kind of spoiled the whole uh, Christmas atmosphere. And then right after that, we didn't, you know, you obviously you can't see that, but Michael sort of body surfs himself yes. <laughs> through the crowd. Uh, so everyone's happy, everyone's partying, and then just like 
in our past episodes, like in Christmas Party, uh, after the Yankee swap thing, after Michael goes to get the booze, the party starts. After Benny on a Christmas, everyone comes back, the party starts. Well, now they all know they have their job, and the party can truly start. And how else do we keep the party going other than with a fantastic karaoke rendition uh, by Dwight and Andy here on a Green Day classic? So a pretty short little bit there, but pretty funny. And also it's kind of funny to me, if you look into the crowd, it sort of looks like uh, people are kind of breaking <laughs> as they're watching this. Like, you look at John Krasinski, it really looks like him as the actor is really kind of laughing at what's going on. And there's some other scenes earlier where Mindy Kaling was... Uh, it looks like she was breaking when, you know, Kevin was sitting on Michael's lap and some of that other stuff. So still very funny, very amusing. Uh, always good for a good chuckle there with Andy and his singing abilities. Yeah, that's another one where I think the short version was maybe just fine and the extended version didn't really add too much for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, good times there with the singing and good to see Andy and Dwight together as well. <laughs> Dynamic duo. And, you know, you you referenced this before as far as the diabolical plan thing. And I I was going to play that clip, but I, I really did like that thing that, you know, Dwight says at the beginning, oh, I put my plan aside. I don't know. Days are getting longer. Eh, maybe I'm just depressed. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. But, yeah, he's he's much more of a kind of a nicer guy. And we get a callback. Kevin, I kind of forgot. I don't know if you remember this or not, but... You know, last season we had that uh, Michael forced Jim and Dwight to be the new party planners, and then we kind of got them in that position again at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So I forgot right. about that for a while. It was nice to see them working together. I actually like them much more uh, as they are in this episode. I, I would be perfectly fine if that whole diabolical plot thing just disappeared for the rest of the season, but... Uh, Alas, I guess we'll have to wait till next week or well, well two months. It's not, week. it's not going to happen because I've seen some things and it's definitely going. But <laughs> there was a lot of good stuff here in this part of the episode. You, you got the little Twilight joke with Kelly and her gift from Jim, and we saw the very funny gift that Ryan the douche gives to uh, Toby the the gay flag there because he was reading the kite runner. So a lot of funny stuff there in that part of the episode. Well, that's, I was asking about that because I mean, yeah, he gives them a rainbow colored kite. Uh, and that was my thing. I was thinking, well, is, is he saying like, Oh, you're gay <laughs> or is he just giving him a kite because of the book? I mean, there's kind of a weird little moment where Toby wanted to hug him, but he refused to hug him. I mean, was, was, what was I don't know. So you're taking it as it was kind of a dig at Toby. Yes, he knew absolutely it was a gay flag. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, it was Ryan. I know. <laughs> I, well, that's what I thought. But I mean, I don't know. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me why you'd hate on Toby. But oh uh, well. All right. <laughs> Well, so all that's left really is the capper to the episode here. Everyone's having a good old time. Uh, Jim and Pam kiss under the mistletoe, and 
you know, share a little moment here together, which I think was their best character bit of the episode. And uh, then we'll leave Michael to make things right with Santa. This is a great party. Did you buy the company just to save your Christmas party? I promise I will never buy a company without telling you first. <laughs> Hi, Santa. Hi, Michael. I'd like to make a wish. What? I would like an Xbox and a TV that's compatible with an Xbox. And I'm sorry. An Xbox it is. Because I've decided you're a good boy. Scott! What in the hell is going on here? No, no, no. We'll oh, work it Bob? out. It's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. It was earlier today. Okay. Okay, baby. Oh, God. Get a room, Santa's. <laughs> I like that thing, and I didn't have it in there, but obviously at the very beginning of the episode where Phyllis goes in to talk to Jim, it's like, you know, I wanted to be the only Santa. Don't make me call Bob on this. <laughs> right. And Jim's like, well, what's Bob going to do? But, of course, we have that longtime animosity between Michael and Bob going back to Phyllis's wedding and, uh, and other times since. So, you know, pretty pretty good ending. Of course, the very, you know, they all make, make peace. Uh, Phyllis forgives him. And uh, everyone is happy. Yeah, it was a good Michael Scott moment there. Um, this was the kind of payoff that we'll be talking about in the other plot lines. It was very, very satisfying. All right. Well, let's go on to the quote-unquote Dwight plot line here then. Uh, very short. I'm just going to play the whole thing in one clip. Uh, Dwight, from his secret Santa, getting some mysterious gift. For the past several weeks, my secret Santa has been giving me pieces of a machine that I've been attempting to assemble. I'm suspicious of this because I had the exact same idea for catching Osama bin Laden. I would simply send him a different piece each day. He would assemble it to find himself in jail. Excuse me. Whoever has been sending me the parts to this gun, I think you sent me a gear instead of a trigger. How do you know it's a gun? What else does it look like? Not a gun. Well, I don't have all the pieces yet. Well, unless the missing pieces is a gun, you don't have a gun. Not a gun. This just arrived from the Dunder Mifflin North Pole branch. We don't have a North Pole branch. <laughs> Idiot. Uh-oh, what's striking, I guess? What is it? Yes! Oh, yes, it's space garbage. Dwight's going to be able to build himself a friend. <laughs> oh, you got it? <laughs> what is that? I have no idea. Huh. Well, maybe those will help. Please, come on. Oh, man. I can use this for so many nuts. Macadamias, Brazil nuts... Pecans, almonds, clams, snails, fresh nut. I don't mind if I do. Thank you. So there you go. That was, like I said, a very short but very satisfying payoff to that plot line as well. We had that mysterious buildup. And then Michael, again, I, I cut that out of the other plot line because it fit in here so well. That classic, another zinger <laughs> from disappointed, yes. disgruntled Jesus. Oh, Dwight's going to build himself a friend. <laughs> Got a, even a good little idiot there from Dwight. That's, that's a classic thing. You know, yeah, very, very good. I liked it. All right, let's get into our, I guess, B plot here with the Andy and Aaron stuff. And it actually kicks off 
the whole entire episode. And I have to say that I think they went a little over the top with Aaron's makeup. I think it was really kind of horrific, actually, with her, her injury, the way that it looked on the side of her face. But I'll, I'll just let her explain, I guess, what has been going on. Hello. I'm not sure I've earned the right to make announcements yet, but whoever is giving me the 12 days of Christmas as my secret Santa, please stop. I can't take it anymore. My cat killed a turtle dove. The French hens have started pulling out my hair to make a nest. Please stop. What psycho would send that as a gift? I begged Dwight and Jim to give me Aaron for secret Santa. And I decided to give Aaron the 12 days of Christmas. Is it my fault that the first eight days is basically 30 birds? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. What do you think about that? Did that disturb you when you saw those massive scars? It was pretty disturbing. I agree. It is over the top. And you know what's also getting disturbing is Aaron's continual, I don't know that I've earned the right to speak routine. <laughs> that is getting old to me. She's been working there for a year plus, right? Come on. Well, still, she's the odd man out, you know? She's the youngest one, uh, the uh, least experienced. I know that that's her character, but I'm getting sick of it, so. <laughs> All right, well, of course, okay, here's Andy giving the gift, the craziest possible gift you could give. And we've said that, you know, is that super ridiculous? Yes, it is super ridiculous that anyone would give that. But, of course, since Andy is independently wealthy, uh, paper salesman, I guess we can cut him a little slack on that. Yep, yep, absolutely. Very believable for <laughs> Andy. Well, right there, then, of course, he makes this huge romantic gesture, he thinks, and it totally backfires. So he has to just, you know, try to weasel his way out of this whole situation. And again, I'm talking about parallels between. You know, the Jim and Pam and the Andy and Aaron and the first Christmas party and this Christmas party. Uh, mm -hmm. Here we have Andy always now up at reception all the time, right. right? Always standing up there. And here he is. He finds himself standing up there, and uh, Aaron kind of confronts him, and he just totally plays it off. Check it out. In fourth grade, Bronwyn Reinhardt stabbed me with a pencil. Scarred me for life. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah, so I know how it feels. Does it hurt? Stings a lot. Mm. I keep trying to figure out who's sending me these gifts. I know. Right? So far, no one will admit to it. Is it you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. I admit it. It's oh. me. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> it's seriously. Is, Are you serious? What? Is it you? Yeah. Totally serious. I'm your secret Santa. Busted. <laughs> hey, Phyllis, could you not reveal to Aaron that I'm her secret Santa? All right, sweetie, I'll just tell her it's Michael. Okay. It was kind of a funny little bit there, though. I like that. I'll just tell her it was Michael. Um, yeah, I cut out that stuff that you said about, oh, Santa, if you were a man, you know, Santa, if you were a woman, <laughs> I'd kiss you, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I kind of like that, that little bit, actually, but... You know, there you go. There's in the producer's cut. I think he and Aaron went back and forth like those morons for about another thirty, forty seconds. With <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, what? Huh? He? What? Huh? No? What? Uh, yep. So yeah, totally embarrassed. Totally trying to bail out of this whole thing. Doesn't want it to come back to him because, of course, he's going to ruin his chance with the girl of his dreams. But Kevin. <laughs> 
leave it to petulant zinger filled Jesus to once again let let the cat out of the bag. Andy, was this you? This is no. Secret. Andy no, it was and Aaron. That's Michael. Cute. What? Was I not supposed to say? What? We'll turn it back on. No. I I thought that you would like it. It was a little much, Andy. Well, thought that counts. What were you thinking? I suppose a gentleman might throw in the towel at this point. But guess what? Not going to happen. I don't know. What about that line right there? He, you know, he's going to quit, but he mans up, and he's just going to go for it. He's going to stick to his guns, and he's not going to back down like we've seen him do so many other times in the past. Right, and in that scene and the one previous, I mean, you can you can feel the chemistry between these two characters. That's why I was so disappointed by the lack of a big payoff there at the end. Um, so, you know, this is very consistent with Andy's character. You know, he he goes, he's not going to give up. He, you know, he that is just the way he works sometimes. He just goes a little too far, but <laughs> he can't stop himself. Um, whether it works out or not, we'll have to see. I guess. Yeah, and uh, so here's the big. Payoff. I, I was satisfied. Obviously, you said you have you weren't satisfied. And again, a little over the top, but uh, some hilarious Ed Helms physical acting here. I love, <laughs> I love it. I just love that with him sitting there doing like you know these little dance moves and stuff and slapping the symbols together and everything. It's pure, pure gold. Oh, thank you, Santa. Okay, happy holidays. Okay, it's real slippery out here. Obviously, you weren't satisfied. I guess we'll see where this relationship goes, as you said. Are we going to have to wait till the season finale for them to kiss, just like in season two? Is that how this is working? <laughs> yes, they're going to have a charity uh, <laughs> bingo night. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, they're going to admit their love to each other. No, I don't know. Aaron will, will be on the phone talking to Stephanie, her new best friend, on the phone, and then... <laughs> Andy will come in. <laughs> exactly. It'll be pure pure romance, just like we remember from the old days. You know, I want to say, though, one other thing before I forget, before we move on. Um, I thought, again, like season two, I thought they did an awesome job of the set staging here. I know they're filming this in California. It looked like a wonderful winter uh, Pennsylvania backdrop. I thought it looked awesome. Yeah, I'm really attuned to fake snow when I see it in movies, and this looked very real and believable. I agree 100% on that. It's just awesome. All right. Great stuff. Very good Christmas episode. Uh, whatever else they've done this year, I think this was a winner for sure. Looking forward to what we get in February, I guess. Aren't we getting the the baby right away in February? Isn't that what we were? No. Baby in March. Uh, okay. Well, 
we will see. I'm really not looking forward to that. Another big event, two in the same year. Uh, <laughs> hopefully there won't be any people dancing down the hospital hallways or something. <laughs> right. Well, and of course, that episode's so far away, we don't even know what it's called. We don't have a description. We don't have anything. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All, we have on, <laughs> all we have on the episode guide is TBA clip show. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then whatever TBA in February. So Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, keeping us guessing, I guess we'll hope for the best... Uh, any messages? Yeah, just stuff that happened. Oh, damn it, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Uh, well, uh, I'm not going to go into this too much, but you know, uh, we always have our sponsors here if you'd like to support the show uh, during this downtime. I don't know how many episodes that we're going to put out in the next two months. Uh, we do have a few retros. Kim, our intern, kind of put together a list of episodes and some, you know, threw out there, what would you guys like to see us do? So who knows, Kevin, maybe we'll go back and finish off season one. We still got two episodes left to get mm-hmm. into, and of course we have a bunch of classic season two episodes that we haven't talked about yet, but for me, quite frankly, I'm I'm looking forward to being on vacation for a little while, so we'll see. Uh, keep you updated, but you can, if, like I said, if you're bored and looking for something to do while we're off the air, you know, try a free Netflix subscription, why not? Go over to netflix.com slash... TWSS, 14-day free trial, instant watch stuff, great deal, a lot of classics, uh, a lot of new releases, everything you would ever want. And of course, also, you could try a free 14-day trial from audible.com, great source for audiobooks and, uh, you know, stuff to keep your workday flying by, and that is audiblepodcast.com slash she said, and of course, Christmas is over. You've probably done all your purchasing. But if you get any Christmas cash, why not go through our Amazon link on the webpage. Help us out. Kick back a few pennies in our direction. For every purchase you make, can be office stuff or anything else. So, again, thanks for supporting the show. Of course, with Netflix, we do have the previous seasons of The Office on there, so you can watch those anytime. Very handy and convenient. And a new disc release this week. Inglorious Bastards, so if you want to see B.J. Novak in his big cinematic debut, and it was <laughs> such a big discussion with his role on The Office, uh, now you can have your chance to check it out. And All remember, right. stay through to the end because he has a great scene at the end. All right, let's get on to the news. Congratulations to Steve Crow and The Office for scoring nominations from the Screen Actors Guild and the Golden Globes. Yep, not a lot of love for anybody else, but uh, always good to see Steve Carell and The Office get those nominations. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride, though, unfortunately. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, in other less earth-shattering news, you can now get the less subtle remix of the song Male Prima Donna, available in iTunes. Um, it, I, the little 30-second preview didn't seem very different, so I did not buy the less subtle well, remix. But if you're someone who has to collect all of the uh, subtle sexuality discography, now you have your <laughs> chance to get a new track. Are, I, I was going to ask you, are you kind of pissed <laughs> off that you bought that track and now there's this other 
track? Do you feel abused, Kevin, or just uh, it's par for the course? No, I, I feel... No, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Steve Carell, uh, movie news here. MTV has a first look and interview with Carell and Paul Rudd for Dinner for Schmucks. Uh, also, word is the Carell and Tina Fey are already plotting a new film before Date Night is even released. Must have gone very well for the two of them. Uh, the NBC stars are loosely attached to mail-order groom for Warner Brothers, a script from 30 Rock writers Robert Carlock, Scott Silveri, and show producer slash Faye's husband, Jeff Richmond. Faye would star as a single woman who orders a mail-order groom from Eastern Europe. Uh, the groom, of course, would be played by Carell. The project has quickly moved into play after Warner Brothers pushed back production on Get Smart 2, which Carell is co-writing for another year. The only window to film would be this spring when Carell and Faye are on their respective office and 30 Rock season hiatuses. So, I don't know, it sounds kind of interesting. It'd be a stretch, Carell with a smarmy Eastern European accent. <laughs> but it is high comedy, uh, very much in that sort of character bane, and it's not it's not in a character that's exactly like Michael Scott. Maybe he's an idiot, but, you know, it's not the typical Michael Scott role that Steve Carell seems to always be playing. Yep. So that's okay, I think. Or it could be Michael Scott just with a funny <clears throat> Bruno accent or something. I don't know. I guess, yes. <laughs> well, Warner Brothers has also snatched up the rights to an untitled script by Cars and Bolt writer Dan Fogelman, in which Carell would star as a father whose marital troubles lead him to form a stronger bond with his children. The studio is clearly seeing Carell as a priority now that, now that Get Smart is on delay and has him wide open for his break on The Office. You can find out more about all these stories at thefratpack.com. It could be really interesting to see Carell and Faye kind of forming this comedy duo, I guess. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of those in Hollywood these days, so it'd be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I'm looking forward to seeing Date Night, I guess. It must have been successful enough that they felt this was uh, justified, a lot of chemistry between well, the I two. Well, I thought the trailer... I thought the trailer for Date Night looked awesome, although I have to say that the buzz that I saw in a lot of other movie blogs when this news came out about this other project was that Date Night looks horrible. So we'll have to see. I guess if it's a big hit, then that's really all that matters in Hollywood. That's true. And speaking of <laughs> movies that might not be hits, let's talk about this next one. I don't know. The trailer <laughs> for Hot Tub Time Machine, starring Craig Robinson, is now available. Film stars John Cusack, Rob Corddry, and the nerdy guy at the party in Superbad. The movie is scheduled <laughs> for release in March, and I haven't seen that trailer yet, but from the sound of things, it is a winner, definitely. Yeah, they they go sit in the hot tub, a bunch of guys that would never be together because their ages don't match, and uh, they get transported back into the 80s. So lots of fun time travel jokes in that one. And uh, also opening in theaters this weekend, John Krasinski as the beardless... Support, supporting turn in the Meryl Streep Alec Baldwin comedy It's Complicated the film opens on Christmas Day so if you didn't like John Krasinski in a beard a la away we go now you can see him with all his pretty face glory well Michael Phillips and A.O. Scott on At The Movies both gave that a big thumbs up so I don't, not exactly my cup of tea although I really do like Alec Baldwin uh, from his role on 30 Rock and Streepiece is kind of a you know, kind of a decent actress, I suppose. Yeah, someday she'll get recognized. Uh, well, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, follow Matt and me on Twitter. 
Go to twitter.com slash summermat or twitter.com slash Kevin Crossman. These are the personal accounts, not dedicated. That's what she said feeds, but you can learn a lot about what we're doing and what we're buying and purchasing and all that kind of stuff. You can also go to twitter.com slash TWSS podcast for the official That's What She Said feed, or go to nbc.com slash the office to go and see all the Twitter feeds for all the cast and staff and folk characters, etc. Uh, speaking of cast blogs and tweets and stuff, let's talk about the nbc.com 12 Days of Christmas blog that they've got up there. Uh, Stanley apparently had this to say. I work hard all year long, so this year, like every year, I plan on spending my Christmas break in my recliner. I got a big tin of caramel corn, a bunch of game shows recorded, and obsessed <laughs> on DVD. Gotta get that Charles Minor fix in there. I am not getting up. Terry will pull the dining room table up to my lazy boy in the living room for Christmas dinner, and then the family will gather around my feet to open presents. Hopefully, I'll get one of those neck pillows this year. That'd be nice. Now, so Terry is apparently taking him back. Everything's happy and wonderful in the Hudson family after the big <laughs> adultery incident. You know, I didn't even think about that. That is true. Maybe that was a typo. All right, Creed wrote, and I'm not going to even try it. This year, I'm going to visit my sweet granny in St. Louis. We are going to sing carols and bake cookies and pie. Then we're going to decorate one of those Christmas trees so it's real pretty. That's what I'll be doing over the break, and that's all I'll be doing over the break. I am not going to Mexico for any surgery, and I'm not going to violate the RICO Act. If you've heard the rumor, it's a lie. And if I run into some money while I'm down there, well, that was just a Christmas miracle and none of your business. Oh, that Funny wacky for Crete. <laughs> yep. All right, let's talk about the next new episode. Well, there's nothing really to say. Except on January 21st, 2010, we will get a TBA clip show, which will feature a mix of old and new footage. So something to look forward to, indeed. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. i got to erase a lot of stuff. All right, a little bit of feedback on that. So she said, episode 85 on Scott's Tots. Diane said, on the podcast, you mentioned something about Dwight's punishment for his diabolical planning. Well, that made me think that we might now understand why Michael had Dwight doing things like his laundry for a year. Dwight can't be punished, but he can be belittled. Will Jim follow this path? We'll have to wait and see. Also, it hit me today. Hey, Mr. Scott, what you gonna do? What you gonna do make our dreams come true? Reminds me an awful lot of the show Cops theme song, Bad Boys. Yes, uh, I, I, I thought that was kind of a given, but maybe I spent too much time watching Cops. Maybe. Uh, very interesting theory, though, about uh, Jim. Maybe there's a path to enlightenment there with Dwight. <laughs> well, let's get some feedback on the Secret Santa episode. Muck Mallard wrote, with Scranton safe and secure, but corporate in shambles, I wonder what this means for Toby's position. Hmm. That is an interesting point, isn't it, Matt? Yes, indeed. What but I doubt they will address is? it. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
And then uh, Mike Mallard continued, anyone catch the producer's cut? I actually really enjoyed it a lot, particularly the office workers versus the warehouse workers angle. There were just a few bits that were unnecessary, like the extended scene of Andy trying to play off being Aaron's secret Santa. But overall, a great extended episode. I do think that that's interesting and possibly hypocritical for Angela to give an amen to Jesus' insistence that Stanley will be going to hell for his treacherous sin of adultery. What was Angela doing last season? Hey, Angela wasn't married yet. She wasn't married yet. Well, that's true. <laughs> but isn't uh, isn't having sex before marital relations a sin? Also, uh, well, sure. <clears throat> but isn't that the case with a lot of people like that? <laughs> Very judgmental, and yet they turn out to be involved in like gay sex scandals later on. So, you know, God bless us, everyone. All right, um, <laughs> best wrote, maybe Christmas brings out my sentimental side, but I really, really love this episode, even despite wanting to punch Phyllis slash Santa every time she opened her mouth. Pam was sweet, Jim wasn't pathetic, Dwight wasn't pointlessly diabolical, and we rarely get to see Michael being nice to Dwight, so I love that too. Even the Toby bits were funny, so yes indeed. <laughs> All right, Phil wrote, Aaron's smile at the end was the best moment for me since Jim came home from his New York interview and asked Pam out. Wow. That See, there you go. He, he agrees with me. Pam and Jim's expressions during their unrequited love phase will always be my favorite moments. Yes, I love the pranks and humor. But I'm loving Erin's innocence, shown through her expressions at the moment. It's keeping me hanging in there during the past season of bad writing and mostly lame humor. Well, so Phil's buying it. Phil's satisfied. <laughs> Gotta say I agree. All right. Luke A., had this to say. Finally saw the episode this morning, and I've already watched it three times. Not only one of the best of this season, but also arguably the best Christmas episode yet? Oh, you're crazy, Luke. They pretty arguably. much... Arguably. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think anything can top Christmas Party, but uh, this came as close as any other one is ever going to come. They pretty much <laughs> granted everything on a fan's wish list for a final episode of the year. Jerk Michael, nice Michael. Hurt Petrol and Jesus brought the laughs and awkward humor while Michael the Boss got David Wallace to tell them they still have jobs as well as an apology from Phyllis. The Pam we know and love. Playing matchmaker for Oscar. Competent Jim. For fulfilling Phyllis's Santa wish and keeping Michael in check. Non-diabolical Dwight. Blossoming love between Andy and Aaron. Good small moments for everyone else. And Dunder Mifflin lives to work another day, although I will miss... David Wallace. We got all of these things as well as fake snow that looked pretty real for once. So, agree on a lot of that stuff, although I really won't miss David Wallace. I think we've used him way too much the last two seasons, and uh, as mm -hmm. much as I like Andy Buckley, uh, you know, let's see what the new season brings. Well, Luke also wrote that he did the math, and it's 23 birds. So, I haven't, <laughs> I'll, I'll trust you on that one, Luke. Molly wrote, one interesting thing. Over on Office Child, there was some talk about the whole Michael is Jesus thing and how that was offensive to Christians. I'm a Christian. I didn't find it offensive at all. It's Michael. Who would Michael be without his comments about race, homosexuality, and general insensitivity? Hmm. And I think that, that I would chalk that up to different cultures of folks on different blog sites. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's why... <laughs> I, Come to That's What She Said's blog page if you don't want that kind of nonsense, I suppose. We're no. we're not offended here at That's What She Said by jokes about Jesus. But, I mean, that's the thing. How could you be... 
of course it's offensive. It's it's supposed to be offensive. I mean, it's like like she says, it's Michael being an idiot. Toby tells him it's ridiculous. You know, everyone says it's super offensive. Uh, even Daryl then comes out at the end and says, "Man, you're even offending me." So yeah, of course it's supposed to be offensive. That's is it really? Is it really more offensive than Michael hanging himself in front of a bunch of kids? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, him being Jesus, I thought that was really hilarious. Uh, just the stuff that he said. Obviously, he's a fool. You know, guess who I'm dressed as? He has the power of flight, and he can cure leopards. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was very funny, but of course, I am not a very serious religious person. Our friend Kim Walton wrote in and said, I've got to start thinking of these things all at once. I think Kevin may be exactly right that Michael is going to be the next CEO of Dunder Mifflin. I thought he was talking out of his hat before, but now, if distribution is the only thing the new buyer is keeping, who is the most likely new CEO? Assuming they're not going to put in their own guy. The manager of the most successful branch of the distribution system. Uh, In that role, Michael would presumably show up as much as David Wallace does now, and maybe Steve Carell's movie career is such that that's what he'd like to do. Um... Interesting theory, but again, I don't see this. I, I, I don't see this happening yet. Uh, all the characters, all the cast are locked in right now, and they might be a little more flexible with Michael. But I, I unless this contract expires, I can't see this happening. Well, it would explain why he's got a million movie projects in flight right now. That if maybe he was in a position where he could be a little bit more in and out of some of these episodes. Um, that would explain some things, but I don't want to see Michael go away. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to see him CEO just so I can, you know, be right. But I think it would also present some good comic uh, new possibilities as well. So, Well, anyway. you're right. While I still totally disagree with you that that will never happen, it would give you different humor. You could make more of that kind of corporate, higher-level sort of comedy, I suppose. Um, something a little bit different than the, the branch-level stuff. But I don't know. I, I, I still say to me, if Steve Carell leaves, the show is over. I don't really see the point of it anymore, to tell you the truth. Fair enough. All right, well, our friend Kaiser Soje wrote, The development of Dunder Mifflin being bought by another company, although improbable, who would buy a company in a dying industry, gives a quick end to the bankruptcy plotline and brings several interesting possibilities. I've been underestimating the writers and the producers of this show. This was a genius move. One more time, I have to mention the chat room at That's What She Said. Watching the show with other people with the same level of interest and knowledge of The Office intensifies the pleasure that's what she said. <laughs> and of so, course, yeah, no, we have we have the chat room uh, when this sh- show airs. So uh, you know, make your calendar appointments now for February third or whatever the date is. Yeah. The new <laughs> if you, like you said, we always mention it on the podcast. But if you haven't stopped by Thursday nights when the episodes are new, uh, I'm in there during the Eastern and Central, and I guess the Mountain, whatever the airing is, and Kevin's got the Pacific time covered. Just go to the webpage, click on the green chat now button, and uh, you'll be right in the chat room with me, Kevin, and a good handful of other Office fans. So you can find out yeah. instantly what Thursday Kevin and Matt think of any given episode. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll be there for that clip show, too, because, you know, like you were mentioning, maybe there is going to be a little new footage in there. So 
<laughs> we'll see. Now, this next section, I, I Twittered out and got some responses here to the following question. Who would you rather have as Santa, Kevin or Matt? And we got <laughs> some responses back. Uh, Luke Polaris wrote, I find both Santa choices rather disturbing, but if I had to, it's got to be Kevin. Sorry, Matt. Well, I t actually, I responded to your comment by saying that I have, unlike Phyllis, I don't have the temperament, but like Phyllis, I do have the physique. So I am I'm not a, a jolly guy. So yeah, you would probably be a better choice. Uh Allison Horn wrote both Kevin as the good Santa and Matt as the heckler. Of course that, that actually that works for me. I, I can agree with that. And A Fair wrote that A Fair wrote about his choice. He wanted our original that's what she said host. Ian Castleberry would be the best Santa. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's well. I, I should forward that on to him. He's a, he's a mellow, maybe nicer Santa guy, I guess. I'm not sure what his reasoning was for that, but uh, uh, well. he probably would be the best Santa, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, that's gonna do it for us for this holiday season here for this episode. Join us in. Uh, I don't know when for episode 87. Just keep checking your podcast feed, I guess. Uh, if there's enough material. Uh, that warrants an episode. We will talk about that clip show episode. I'm mm -hmm. not sure how it's going to play out, obviously, but uh, but we'll see how that goes. We'll try to get in one or two retro episodes, perhaps, uh, over this hiatus, but I can't promise anything in stone, so keep your eyes open. Uh, send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for the episode is provided by Music Alley from Mabio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash theoffice during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, wishing you a happy holiday season and a Merry Christmas. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 12 drummers drumming in a new drummer fighting bands for the living. Eight made the milk and seven on the swimming. Six eat the lane. I love John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album, I gotta say. Very trendy choice. Good job. Trendy? What? I had that album the, from when I was a kid. The Muppets, man. They're coming back with that Bohemian Rhapsody video. Ah, haven't they're hip seen again. It. Haven't seen it, but they've always been cool, Kevin. I actually have that album uh, in my parents' house, one of the very few that I ever had when I was a kid. So, uh, they'll, they'll probably make reference to it on the episode of The Office in about a year and a half, the Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Video? Yeah, that could be. Michael will uh, <laughs> get the office into a head-banging fun fest. Attention, everyone! Matt and I, on behalf too of the podcast... Too loud, too, too loud, too loud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you already see You already fucked it up. I thought you were giving me instructions. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. All right. Be, try to be a little bit louder, I guess. But I, that wasn't my instruction. <laughs> no. 